Hello there, I'm Kyoso Ronin Beatmaker, and welcome to Lounge Ronin, all things, everything. To learn more about myself and how you can support Lounge Ronin, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. If you're interested in reaching out, follow me on social media, on Twitter, Ronin Art and Music, or at me at Kios Ronin, K-O-I-O-S-R-O-N-I-N. On Instagram, follow me at RoninArt underscore music. And if you prefer, hit me up at my email at RoninArtAndMusic09 at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and a review, and slap that notification bell. On Apple Podcasts, Please make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review as this will help me and the podcast grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love. Hello there, I'm Kyo Ronin Beatmaker, and welcome to Lounge Ronin, all things, everything. And before we get into it, if you're new to the channel, please make sure to hit that like button. And subscribe if you enjoy the content. And please make sure to leave a comment with your thoughts below. And on this episode, we're going to discuss ancient Mesopotamian magic. Now, if you've seen some of my uh, previous live streams where I have discussed uh, various occult rituals and themes that you see scattered throughout our social media, films, you know, sports events, music events. And uh, I feel like when we, you know, delve into this, um, into this uh, episode, we'll we'll definitely probably get some insight into where a lot of these uh, ruling elites and these hidden uh, organizations and groups get a lot of their inspiration from. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Now this was updated 
February 16th, 2019, and this article is written by Sarah P. Young. All right, let's get into it. Ancient Mesopotamia was a vast region in Western Asia, which has become known as the cradle of civilization. Due to the huge number of feats the, the culture achieved, agriculture, animal herding, and domestication had developed there by 8,000 years ago. Developed there by 8,000 years ago. By 3000 BC, they had created the world's oldest known cities and invented the wheel. And along with their advanced solutions to practical needs of a society, ran sophisticated traditions of occult rituals and witchcraft, which is clearly documented in the uh, Makul tablets. And, you know, like I was was saying earlier, um, you know, I think we're definitely with the whole idea of ritualistic magic and practices, you know, we're, we're definitely not straying too far away from what is being observed and practiced in real time and reality. You know, it, it's just, it's kind of funny how with um, all these tablets, I mean, I recently I did a, I covered an article about um, Jesus Christ possibly being a shapeshifter. And uh, it came from this, um, this, uh, it was either a tablet or a parchment paper um, that had a little bit of an excerpt and a, a description talking about Jesus Christ as a, um, uh, as a shapeshifter. And it wasn't um, released to the public until um, I think 2017, when it was in the personal uh, collection of uh, J.P. Morgan. So you know, you know, ask yourself why would uh, J.P. Morgan need a uh, a tablet in regards to um, Christ and his ability to possibly shape shift? I see we got some people in the in the chat for Rumble. Some watchers, I really appreciate you guys taking some time to enjoy this ride with me. If you enjoy the content so far, please make sure to hit that like button. A rich record. A deep insight into the Mesopotamian civilization has been gained from the hundreds and thousands of tablets inscribed with cuneiform, one of the earliest forms of writing that they left. When cuneiform was deciphered by archaeologists in the middle of the 19th century, it meant that texts like the Epic of Gilgamesh could finally be uh, accessed and appreciated. And the cuneiform tablet we have here is a Gula uh, incantation. The writing on this tablet asks Gula and Marduk, hmm, identified by its surname uh, Asalu, to help cure patient 
help cure a patient who was thought to have been attacked by a ghost. Now, if any of you are are familiar with your occult stuff, you know, Marduk is not far off from some current modern-day occult practices. The Mesopotamians were prolific in the scope of their writings, and along with the Epic of Gilgamesh, the library of uh, Ashurbanipal also contains tablets detailing military campaigns, treaties, detailed accounts of uh, monarchs' reigns, and the Enumial Ilish, the Babylon creation myth, and astronomical observations. Tablets found elsewhere discuss codes, laws, maps, medical manuals, trades, and domestic disputes, and diplomatic correspondence. The text helped to understand Mesopotamian culture and society, but among thousands of relative mundane uh, inscriptions, there are some which stand out and highlight the more unusual aspects of life in ancient Mesopotamia. Now, if you know much of anything about Mesopotamia, then you're probably familiar with the Anunnaki and um, the, the connection between the Anunnaki and Mesopotamia and, you know, the, the greater um, worldwide civilization that may have one point um, populated this entire planet. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see that maybe in some regards, um, we could we could say that uh, Mesopotamia would also could have been the birthplace of many types of, um, uh, you know, occult practices, magic practices. You know, it seems it's you know if it's the epicenter of you know civilization in many ways, it would be the epicenter of many forms of occult practices and and magic. That would then spread out, you know, spread throughout the world. So let's continue. What is the, uh, okay, I'm going to, Makul. Makul, which means burning, is a work composed around 700 BC, spanning nine tablets. It details a ceremony which was supposed to brought and drive away evil magic protect the intended target from the bad magic and weaken the person who was responsible for casting the malevolent spell or curse. Kind of sounds like voodoo if you ask me. The first eight tablets feature almost a hundred incantations and the ninth gives directions for the ritual. It is a work intended to be aided to aid an exorcist and his patient. So here we have the uh, Assyrian cylinder depicting an exorcism. Now, you know, take your, put your, cons your constructive, you know, critical thinking skill cap on for a moment. And let's just entertain this idea. So you have a tablet here that describes how to to perform exorcisms. And then, you know, you know, ask yourself, where do you think 
the Vatican, the church, gained any of its ideas and insights and skills into performing exorcisms. Now, I don't, I'm not an expert in any of that stuff. Like I said, let's just, you know, entertain this idea for a minute here. We know that the, you know, the Vatican has those, the massive libraries in the basement, which, you know, are, which, you know, hold miles and miles of all sorts of ancient history and knowledge. And it would not be surprising to me that the Vatican would gain some of its knowledge into how to perform exorcisms from their um, their pillaging and plundering of various ancient cultures. And this being here, we have this... Um, you know, this cuneiform tablet, you know, describing how to perform an exorcism, how to thwart evil spirits. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of this paragraph, it kind of sounded very similar to voodooism. So this idea that, you know, these many different religious sects and ideologies would not get some of their inspiration and their teachings and their practices from Mesopotamia would be foolish of us. You know, it, it's just, it's interesting to me that here we have this tablet about how to perform an exorcism. And I don't know if anyone has taken a second and been like, hey, well, you know, where does the, um, where does uh, the Vatican get their knowledge on how to perform exorcisms? You know, we know that the Vatican has pillaged and plundered all sorts of ancient cultures and history. We know the Vatican libraries are rife with things that would probably rewrite our history. And if you're someone like me who's a fan of hidden history, then you understand that our history is a lie. It's, you know, constantly being manipulated, constantly being edited. Um, and I just find, you know, this little nugget of information, you know, quite telling. But let's continue. Give me one second, guys. Okay, here we go. Let me read. Okay, the, the Malaku tablets, I apologize for these uh, ads. I know they're a bit wild. <laughs> the Malaku tablets give detailed instructions of, on instructions to burn a figurine. Now, what does that remind you guys of? Representing the witch in order to dispel the effects of their magic. And this ritual is what gives the inscription its name. For a text like um, Makul to have been created, there has to have been some need in Mesopotamian society for a guide like this. What can Makul tell us about witchcraft in ancient Mesopotamia? I mean, but what, you know, what can it also tell us about um, modern uh, witchcraft and practices? And you're in your, it's just, I just find it funny, the whole burning of effigies. And, you know, we, we know of a certain um, uh, organization that likes to burn a giant owl at night that Alex Jones exposed. So, um, 
these ancient practices are still being performed to this day. It's just that we are not privy to them or we don't really connect the dots. And that's just me personally. I see we got some people in the live stream. We got five viewing, much love. If you're interested, please leave a comment and uh, hit that like button. And uh, yeah, leave a comment. What are your thoughts on uh, this whole practice of uh, Mesopotamian witchcraft and modern elite societies? So the practice of Mesopotamian witchcraft. Okay. Okay, here we go. One of the main aspects of witchcraft that Makul highlights in the anatomy of the witch. It is interesting to note the ceremony is not fixated on discovering who has been practicing witchcraft and wrong the patient. It chooses instead to replace the witch with the nameless effigy and trust that the gods will know who, intended tar who the intended target is. We can also learn a lot from the fact that uh, uh, counteract evil, uh, evil magic, a magical ceremony was undertaken by an exorcist. Makul, along with several other Mesopotamian texts, uh, paint a picture of a society where magic was practiced both legitimately and openly and illegitimately and malishly. <laughs> I mean... I would say that's pretty much how it goes right now in our, our current society. Um, you know, there are plenty of instances and information. If you're, you know, if you're into this stuff like I am, the the occult and the the rituals, it's 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 prevalent. We we see it uh, openly right now. Um, and uh, I think what's funny about this is. You know, we there are people out there who do practice magic legitimately, and then you have those who are like the you know the Malachians or the Luciferians or the you know who practice you know I guess I shouldn't say the Luciferians, but more the Malachians who practice such you know evil ritualistic practices. I'm still learning myself, so if I'm I'm, I'm wrong or something, please feel free to correct me. But I just think it's funny how, you know, the way this article is written, and I guess it makes sense that it's written as if these things aren't going on still as, you know, currently, which we all know isn't the case. Whether it's 9-11, you know, whether it's the, um, the, what was it, the San Bernardino shooting, any of these things, you know, you look in, if you're someone who's into Gematria, then you'll, you'll get where I'm going from. You'll catch my drift. You know, it's all, you know, very connected. It's all there for those who are privy to it, who are those who are aware of it. You'll start seeing these connections and these parallels. And I think, you know, it's so funny, you know, how we claim to be a very modern society yet we are being ruled by people who practice such ancient 
um, lifestyles and ideologies and mysticisms. It's very interesting. Now here we have a fragment of a talisman used to exercise the sick from the Assyrian era. All right. It is implied that evil magic worked as the uh, precationers tricked as the oh as the practitioners tricked the gods into believing they were assisting a genuine need. Oh, interesting. The ritual in Makul was supposed to work by revealing the deception to the gods, so they would reverse what they had done to help the evil doer. But we can also build up a picture of a society in which good magic was an everyday part of everyday part of life for many people. <clears throat> now, you know, one thing I find interesting about that is idea of good magic. And you know, I and you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm a Buddhist. So and for me, you know, I view, you know, when I do some of my my um, morning meditation prayers or anything of that matter, I feel like I'm, I am practicing some form of magic. And I think even for people who are, whether you're, you know, a Christian, Muslim, you know, whatever your, your uh, religious ideology you believe in, uh, you are practicing some form of magic. And even if you don't believe in a religion, but you are spiritual or you believe in the power of manifestation, it's very similar. You know, these, ideas of, of of magic in the sense of praying towards something meaningful and genuine and something that can be beneficial to you. And I think in terms of good magic, you know, we've all had, I've had personal experiences where, you know, you know, the prayers that I was saying every day, the, the mindset that I was putting myself in, it made magical things occur in my life that I would never have expected to happen. And I think for any of us out there, it is something to to take into consideration and to be um, just mindful of. You know, even if you're someone who has like a a lucky, you know, a lucky ring, you know, a lucky pillow, whatever it could be, a lucky you know water bottle. Um, even that in and of itself is a talisman, you could say. And there is, you know magic you could almost say in that talisman because anytime you've you've had that thing you know you've had that with you whether it's in competitions or just you know day-to-day -day life you know business meetings opportunities networking whatever and you've had it with you boom things work out in your favor the the, the magic is there opportunities you know you your team succeeds in in the uh the match or in the game so it's kind of funny how all around us, you know, you'll have people who, you know, aren't religious, who are atheists or what have you, but here they have like a lucky item that they bring with them everywhere they go because they say, well, it always brings me luck. Everything works out when I have it. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's magic, I guess, in a way. That's a talisman. You know, you may not think of it that way, but it is, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that to them. You know, you might freak them out. <laughs> But I just think it's interesting that, you know, the the similarities of, of our belief systems and, and things that we hold dear to us, 
and how because they hold dear to us, you know, that energy that we give into it, you know, it replicates and it supports us. And I know I might be sounding a little woo-woo and, and out there, but, you know, what can I say? That's what the Ronin is all about. But I think for all of us, you know, we we have to kind of take a reflection and look at ourselves and what things are we doing and acting that are in, in many ways magic. Even if you have, you know, I have a morning ritual, a morning routine that I do every day. Um, and in many ways that, you know, that ritual, that routine, it puts me into the mindset to face the day, to face my challenges, to face, you know, my goals and to face my fears. And I think even in that you're, you're, you're challenging, you're channeling, you know, positive energy, you know, positive magic into the air to motivate you, inspire you, uh, discipline you. Uh, and I think that's something that's really fascinating about this. And I think also what part of the reason why our current society, we are not privy to the full capacity of our individuality, of our humanity. You know, we have these these ruling elites, we have these corporations, you know, we have the, the poisoning of our food and our air, um, of our minds to suppress the infinite capabilities that our minds have, that, you know, the, the, that the source, God, whatever you want to call it, the, the algorithm, it gave us this capability to do things that are completely incredible. But we have been suppressed. And, you know, when you when I'm reading through this kind of article, it kind of makes me realize, imagine the the incredible feats and capabilities people had of that time of that era. You know, you may think to yourself, oh, well, they're using cuneiform, they're they're using tablets, (laughs) you know, they don't have iPads, they don't have any of these things. Okay, well. That doesn't matter to me. Explain to me why there are pyramids in China and there, there are pyramids in Mexico and that there's a pyramid in Greece and that there's a pyramid in Antarctica and a pyramid in Alaska and pyramids riddled around North America and Indonesia and off the coast of Cuba. Underwater, there are pyramids. So who, you know, that type of, that type of technological feats and capabilities. So what if they didn't have, you know, iPhones, and Netflix back then, they had much better things than that. They had the capabilities of their fully functioning personhood and their mind. We don't have that now. Our minds are constantly being suppressed, constantly being manipulated, constantly being destroyed. And for what? For other people's benefits, for them to use our energy and siphon it for their own free will and their own power and their own control and the subjugation of us. I mean, it's it's all there for you if you're if you're willing to be open to these other alternative views and perspectives and do your own research. You know, I'm not saying anything that's really crazy or out of this world, not yet. <laughs> but I think most people would be like. Yeah, you make some good points there. I might have to think a little bit about that. I'm sorry, I just noticed a headline over here to the right that says, Girls Gone Wild 
world mythology's most sexualized, crazed, and ferociously violent goddesses. <laughs> oh man, that sounds like a fun read. All right, well let's let's get back to it. Well, uh, I'll take a break from my Ronin rant. Mesopotamian omens. Acadia was the language of ancient Mesopotamia. And although cuneiform was used over several millennia by a number of different ancient cultures, it is estimated that 30% of the surviving Akkadian cuneiform inscriptions about witchcraft and the supernatural. A lot of these not which a lot of these are not which are, are not witchcraft in the way we may think of it today, in the form of magic spells and rituals, but things surrounding the unknown. Here we have a cuneiform tablet, a fragment of a liver omen. Ooh. So now we have, you know, you know, attacks that di attack directly your liver and things like that. It's freaky. Although Mesopotamia was remarkably advanced in many respects, things such as celestial bodies and unpredictable natural phenomenon were not fully understood. These things were often looked to as a way of trying to predict and avoid negative events. And a lot of the surviving inscriptions are very detailed attempts to list omens and help evade disasters. One notable mythic te text was the uh, Enuma Anu Elil, which is, which is details around 7,000 celestial omens relating specifically to the king and state. The king was sent regular updates and reports from the predictions by his personal scholars who were tasked with deciphering the premonitions. So here we have a ceramic incantation bowl from the Sasanian Sasanian period, uh, 6th to 7th century AD. Another set of, of, of omens in the Summa Alul Enil Mekel Sakin, which consists of 120 clay tablets and over 10,000 uh, ill omens linked there, to, uh, linked there, to, linked, the, linked to there being too many one kind of person at any given time. Okay, that's a weird way to to write that sentence. Perhaps today these particular omens would be seen as common sense more than esoteric. <laughs> well, I mean, have you met our current society? You know, we're, we're a lot of people out there lacking common sense. One of the more unusual set of omens is the Suma Ezubu. These are omens which are connected to deformed human births and bizarre animal births, such as conjoined animals. They were not always negative, and they were often linked to the side of the body the deformity related to. A deformity on the right-hand side was bad, but on the left, it may have been seen as lucky. Hmm. Professional magicians. Although many people believed in or ever practiced rudimentary magic, there were also professional magicians in ancient Mesopotamia. 
these professional magicians would have been specialists in a particular field of magic. Some would have been specialists in divination, while others would have been professional exorcists. As with other ancient societies, many of those who worked in a field that was not fully understood were considered to be magicians. So scientists, doctors, and astronomers were placed alongside mystics and exorcists. I mean, I, I could kind of see that in, in many ways. They're, they're all you know, two sides of the same coin. Uh, here we have a, a Pakalu figure male with a fish skin hood. During the Neo-Assyrian period, practitioners of magic protected interior spaces of buildings by uh, depositing an, in, a, an assemblage of figurines beneath the room's floor. The artifact probably served that function. And, you know, I mean... People still to this day still use, you know, figurines, you know, for protection and what have you. We, we you know, you look at all the, the many saints in, in, in Christian religion. You still have plenty of people that have, you know, Christian saint figurines. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is still being practiced today. Um, there's nothing, nothing new about it. It's also possible to specialize within these fields. One set of mystics who specialized in particular form of divination were the Baru, who made practitions, uh, who made predictions based on reading the livers of sacrificial animals. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are are aware of what happened recently with um, who's on who's that rapper who's on trial. There's a big time rapper right now who's on trial. I can't remember his name. But recent court documents came out. And um, during a raid into one of his places, they caught a guy uh, sacrificing a goat. Now, I don't remember. It's, it's the rapper who's like on trial right now. It's a massive case. Um, and so there was a guy, part of his crew, that was sacrificing a goat for him. Now, like I'm saying, you know, this stuff is still going on now. You know, these practices, these, you know, sacrifices. I mean, you know, you look what's going on with the child trafficking down at the border or in Ukraine. I mean, over you know, throughout the entire world, and a lot of the the horrific ritualistic practices that go on with these children, with these animals. I mean, it, it's it's no it's no surprise. Um, and with that rapper and that court document coming out that he had someone in his crew sacrificing animals for him. <laughs> It's like, you know, how how more in the face does it need to be for, you know, the mainstream person, the normie to be like, oh, okay, so this stuff is legitimate. They're really doing it. It's like, yeah, you know, these people aren't, you know, crazy. The ones telling you that, you know, these, you know, rappers and Hollywood elites are, you know, running around sacrificing animals and, you know, fucking little kids. 
part of my language. Sometimes Arona just can't help but swear. Evidence of magic in day-to-day -day life. There's one tablet which provides evidence of everyday witchcraft, listing types of stones and their magical associations. So the user would know what kind of stone to carry to attract or dispel particular gods and goddesses. Now here's the cuneiform tablet with a list of magical stones. And I think this is kind of funny. It's, you know, um, you know, whether it's, you know, you might think, you know, people who, you know, work with crystals and different stones are kind of crazy, but, you know, there's two different stones. I can't even think of their names that are quartz crystal for um, healingness and energy. I have one underneath my couch. I have one underneath my bed. I have another stone, a black stone for sleeping next to my bed. And honestly, I, I've seen improvements. Uh, so I, I realize that there definitely is some truth to it. Uh, I also am getting into electroculture. And I, I bought a book on using various stones to help um, feed and um, fertilize your plants. So there's some really interesting, you know, ancient knowledge out there that we just have to look for. And uh, I feel like, you know, it's also kind of like if you don't, if you're not open to trying something new, it's not, you're not going to enjoy it or it may not work for you. Um, and that, just my own personal opinion when it comes to things like that, magical stones. And I apologize if you hear a plane flying over. Wait till it passes by. Okay. Further evidence of the everyday belief in and practice of witchcraft is visible in a plethora of surviving artifacts. Clay figurines representing gods, animals, and mystical creatures have been found at homes across Mesopotamia. They are often kept hidden and areas of the house that could have been seen as prone to access by spirits and demons. And just as a representation of evil, which could be used to repel their magic in an exorcism, there is evidence that pregnant women wore pendants with representations of the demoness Lamashtu, who was known to attack pregnant women and infants in an attempt to ward, her, ward off her spirit and provide a wearable form of protection against her. Interesting. And here we have an amulet with the Lamastu demon. Which is kind of similar to the, uh, the Christian succubus. If I remember correctly, um, this is, I know there are several different ancient cultures that have a very similar uh, female demon that likes to target women and eat babies. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, that's also another aspect of it. It's like when you start seeing these um, con similarities and, and the consistency of these similarities throughout different uh, ancient religions and cultures, you know, you, you have to kind of question whether there might be something to it. 
When cuneiform was first decoded in the mid-19th century, it made it possible to access hundreds of thousands of texts for the first time. It must have been surprising to learn people in ancient Mesopotamia were so advanced and made so many significant discoveries. It must also have been a major juxtaposition that a society which made so many logical and intellectual leaps would also believe so widely in magic, which is perceived by many today as irrational. But perhaps Mesopotamian belief in magic should be seen instead as further evidence of their rationality and intelligence. The ritual exorcism described in the Malkul might be easy to scoff at today, but it provided comfort and reassurance to the victim. Perhaps more importantly, it dispelled and punished the the witch anonymously, which avoided the need for a public witch hunt, something that uh, would have ended in violence and confrontation. And uh, I would kind of, I, I kind of see where they're coming from there, uh, to to a point. But I think I would also kind of be like, um, you know, we, as I've said earlier, and as I've covered a little bit earlier, we we know that. Many ruling elites and, um, you know, these occult groups, you know, they still actively practice, you know, magic. They still actively burn, um, you know, effigies. You know, they still use, tab, um, you know, these omens and these talismans. People, regular people still use it. People who practice many religions still do. So you know, it's it's there's nothing really irrational about it. Um, if you're not willing to, you know, be open to the idea that there is more to this world than what we are being educated and taught. And I, you know, I found this to be a, a you know a really insightful and 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 great um, little article. And you know, like I was saying, you know, this whole idea of of there not being um, that magic is this, you know, unknown, nonsensical, irrational thing is just foolish for us. And you know, I'm not here to tell anyone how to think or how to believe or how to feel. Um, but I think you know, for all of us, it's important to at least be a little open-minded um, to these other forms of ideas and religious practices and cultures because. You know, as I've been, you know, learning more and researching more and studying more, I'm realizing that a lot of this stuff is real. Um, it's capable. It's possible. Um, and it's all about your perception to your to reality. And even with this whole idea of, of, of magic from Mesopotamia and, you know, referencing Marduk and certain things, we know that those are things that people actively practice and celebrate now uh so i just i just find it really fascinating um for me personally as i've been learning more about these you know okay you know these occult rituals and these themes and these you know magical practices where they will manifest certain outcomes and events to happen whether in their favor or to cause a, a sort of unbalance in society that allows them to then step in and implement some sort of agenda or take power. And I, you know, I just find it really fascinating and, um, and compelling.
And I think for anyone out there who's been listening, and I, I really appreciate everyone who's been listening on, on Rumble. I appreciate everyone who's been listening on, on YouTube, on, on Twitch. Uh, you know, this is just really interesting stuff. And I hope any of you guys out there, you know, take some time, look into this stuff. You know, do do your own research on this stuff. It's really, it really is fascinating. Um, you know, I, I highly recommend, you know, you check out, um, you know, the tinfoil hat uh, with Sam Tripley, his podcast that has a lot of interviews with actual alchemicist practitioner, uh, practitioners, uh, magicians, uh, witches, actually the higher side chats with Greg Carlson. He has interviewed um, an alchemist and a, a witch. Um, so, you know, and when you listen to those interviews with these people, you start to realize like, huh, they're, some of the things that they're saying isn't really all that out of the realm of reality. Um, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. So, you know, as I, as I wrap this up, you know, I just think everyone out there just, you know, take some time, you know, be open-minded to these new ideas and concepts and, you know, the, the, as I like to put it, as the veil continues to be unlifted, you know, more truth is going to be revealed to us, revealed to us. And it's up to us as individuals, as free thinking people, um, as self-motivating people, how are we going to take that imp- that information in? You know, are we going to allow it to control and domesticate our belief system or are we going to maintain our unconditional love and our you know individual thought and freedom of expression i hope you enjoyed this episode of lounge ronin all things everything and if you made it this far and you've enjoyed the live stream please make sure to hit that like button and leave a comment with your thoughts below and some constructive criticism, as both a like and a comment will truly help this channel grow. And please feel free to share this out with any like-minded individuals or anyone who you feel like challenging their foundational belief system, as I love to do. And until next time, stay positive, stay focused. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lounge Ronin. To learn more about myself and how you can support Lounge Ronin, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. If you're interested in reaching out, follow me on my social media on Twitter, Ronin Art and Music, or at me at Kios Ronin, K-O-I-O-S-R-O-N-I-N. On Instagram, follow me at Ronin Art underscore music. And if you prefer, hit me up at my email at music 9 at gmail.com and if you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service please make sure to subscribe if you're listening on youtube make sure to subscribe leave a comment and a review and slap that notification bell on apple Podcasts, please make sure to subscribe rate the podcast and leave a review as this will help me and the podcast grow stay positive stay focused stay true and much love.